Hello and welcome and thank you so much for joining us in our you know, podcast edition that we are doing from time to time and where we can just really sit down and I, Jennifer, both of us can kind of talk about some things in more detail and really just, if you will, just kind of share some stories. That's what I want to do today. I, in the first hour, we talk about, you know, with Kevin, we talk about uh, – uh, what's going on locally and what's going on with the economy and, you know, and maybe even some politics. And then we talk about, you know, what happened in the market for the last little bit of that hour. And this one I just kind of want to devote to, I think, an understanding or a thought process that hopefully, hopefully will um, help you think about how you think about money, how you can relate to money, how you can relate to thinking about what you want to have happen when you pass away. What do you want to have happen to your money? And, 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 and just sharing stories from us. We're obviously not going to use people's name names at all. But the struggle that people have, I've been doing this for over 40 years. I've had thousands upon thousands of conversations, some of them extremely deep conversations. Conversations that are, you know, can be very emotional for people. Emotional for me. You know, when you're really talking about people's concerns and listening at a deep level, you really come to understand and feel what they're feeling. And we, hopefully through that process, I think we have, learned a few things and, and, and learned how to help people think through problems. Not pull the nail out of their forehead. If you haven't seen that, you need to look that up on YouTube. It's just hysterical. Nail in, nail in the forehead. It'll pop right up. Or stop it. That's another one I can't help to, to tell people about. You'll hear me say that once in a while on when I'm just talking about it. You know, he talks about people's behavior. Well, just stop doing that, right? It's Bob Newhart. Stop it. And it's just, it's, these are funny things that we think about. And, 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 and I'm not trying to solve the problem necessarily with people, but help them to think through why they're feeling that way about giving their estate away. Why, why, why are they feeling that way? So let me, let me kind of start with that one because it just kind of came up this week. And you think about it with a family, whether it's, it's you know, quotes, the perfect family, everybody gets along and everything's wonderful and everybody is just, we're just going to divide it up with the kids. Even within those types of circumstances, there are many where, for example, I'm thinking of one now where, you know what? The son has run the farm for his entire life with dad. Not the other siblings, him. Okay? I, I, we have another family that pops in my mind. She, the daughter, ran the business for all the years with dad. Does she d have to share that all? What about the business they built? How do we think these things through? What's fair? What's right? Just had this conversation literally before, I mean, five minutes before clicking this microphone on and, and, and deciding to do this with an individual that basically is saying, I want to give this away. I've already designed what I want to do with this, and this is how I want to do this with this property over here. And, and here's the answer. Write down precisely what you want to do. 
let's see if we can accomplish that. What I'm trying to say is instead of coming at it, what's the best way? Well, we should give one of these away. We should do a charitable remainder trust. We should probably put it over into this kind of a trust. Why? What we want to do is understand first what do we want to accomplish and then can we back into that in the most economically straightforward, best way, most simple way. None of us wants complexity. And when we're thinking these things through, oftentimes we just don't write them down. Do you know we have an attorney who's a client that does not, will not put a beneficiary on his accounts? He's no spring chicken. He's in his 70s now. And he goes, I know, I know, I know. Of course you know. You're an attorney, for gosh sakes. You know what can go wrong with this. You know it won't. But he can't figure out who or what. And so I get, we all have this block, right? And so how do you get over that block? The first block, if you're thinking about what it is you want to do with your money, is two things to remember. A, what do you want? Don't start with the financial part. You know, because everybody, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to go to the government. I don't want this. I don't want that. I get, I get that. What do you want? Even if there's only a dollar left after all the taxes, what do you want that to go to? What is your most deepest desire? Well, I don't want the kids to have too much. I want them to have just the right. I want, the, I want this son, that daughter, this whoever. I want them to have the farm. Then that's the plan. And then the rest, are you comfortable? Do we divide it? Do we, how do we do that? Then we figure out how to do that in the simplest, most cost-effective way. And most people don't do that. They think of it, why? Because they think about it economically. Why do they think about it economically? Because that's the easy way. What's the financial way? It's a spreadsheet. It's not the feelings. It's not the desire that this work out. Second point I want to make, though, you can't govern from the grave. You can't. I know that's what you want to do. I do, too. I don't want them to do silly things. I don't want them to give them to charities that I don't support. I don't want them. I mean, some of them I consider literally evil. Okay? You probably do, too. And you may find the ones I give to evil. That's your option. I doubt you'd find them evil, but you know, that's a bit much. But um, you get my point. So if I put it into a family trust of some kind, family foundation, are, am I going to, my wish is going to be now and forever? How can I, right? It, I can't govern that. It's not when I'm gone. What if the charities change? What if they do? Here's what I, here's the other thing. They will. New leaders will come. They will feel differently than you do. They may be terrible leaders, and you're still sending them money. We have to, we have to give that up, and that's a hard one, okay? So, and as we get older, we have a tendency to kind of cling to and cling to some of our beliefs and things like that, and, and, and that's fine. But as you're thinking about that, we need to be able to let go. The future is not, not ours to decide. And... When we're gone, we're gone. And the world will, have, will go on in some form. And it may not be exactly the picture you want. And that child or grandchild might run amok with the money. And you can't do anything about it and you can't own it. You can't own that.
And so those are the two things, really. Let's not overcomplicate, and let's come from the objective, right? The goal in mind. Not, this is the most economically amazing thing you've ever seen. And then back into what will work economically, okay? That's the way to go at this. And secondly, you can't govern from the grave. Most importantly, on all of our stories, then they just go on and on and pile on each other. They all come back to this where you just are fundamentally listening. And it's a toughest decision you make. The easy decisions are spreadsheet decisions. They sound really smart and all that, but they just don't require much emotion and thought. They're just numbers on a page. This is the best way to go. We go that way. Okay? So the, I get it. I know why people come in and go, how much money do I need to retire? Do you, are you ready to retire? Well, no, I mean, can I? That's a spreadsheet question. Are you ready to retire? That is not a spreadsheet question. Who are you? Who, who am I? Who am I if I'm not the financial guy? Who am I if I, I'm not doing a radio show anymore? Who, who, who am I if I'm not managing people's money? Who am I if I'm not talking to people about their estate plan, their, their dreams? Who am I? That's a frightening thought, honestly. One of the reasons I'm still here. I, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, what I was gifted to do. I feel that way. Not every day. Some people drive you crazy, but you you know what I'm saying. It's all, it always happens, right? But the point is the people's stories, the things you walk through. Let me, let me, let me finish up this segment with, with one that I think everybody can relate with because this is an exciting story to me. It's a fun story. It's, a, it's when I got my big break, when I was just so tired, so done. I was 22 years old. And I'd been beating my head against the wall for three years, just barely eking out a living. And, and I mean barely. And, and, it, and it's, it was hard. You know, you just get tired of holes in your shoes. And it's true, holes in your socks and all those things because you're just trying to make sure you've got some food on the table. And that's what this business was to start. And it certainly wasn't in the early 80s when interest rates <laughs> were at 21.5 in 1980 at one point. My goodness, they were high. It was a difficult time. And so, and, and who's going to give me, any 22-year-old, 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 21-year-old, money, right? It's a different industry now. It's not like that. But it was. And I began to put some money away for us, my family. Because I was telling people, if you save money first, then everything else will fall into place. So you have to save first, not wait for the end of the month, and if you try to save what's left over, there won't be any. But if you pay yourself first, there always is. And boy, was that a lesson, because guess what? It, I, I, I made, I'm not joking, our household made 16000 Fortunately, my wife at the time was um, you know, working part-time, and picked up a, a, a few thousand dollars, uh, you know, like uh, running the till at a gas station. That was how meager it was. But we found a way to pay the bills and pay ourselves $25 a month first. And it sounds crazy, but those of you who have done that, 
you know it becomes a habit that has le now led me to great financial independence and it led me to be talking with people with great conviction and in 1984 getting to work with the Sun Valley, Blaine County, school teachers. And now I had 300 different employees I could talk to about investing and saving. It was the break I needed. But I would go in and I would talk about, okay, you know, here's your tax shelter. You need to be putting some money away. They just got a job, especially the new ones were great, but they don't have that much. You know how teachers would be. Longer they're there and more education is how they get more money. Well, they don't get, in that day, they didn't get hardly anything to start. But we'd go, let's do $25. And then next year they'd get a raise, and I'd come in with this just this little salary deduction card, and I'd go, okay, we get to put some of your salary away, right? I don't know. Come on. Let's take it to $40. How about 40 Okay. And this goes on. And over the years, they're putting away 100 or $150. And here's the point. This is so important. It's not the amount. It's the start. Just start. Just get going. Because you see, these people started with 25 and they're at 100 150 a month. If they waited till they were at 100 or 150 you're right. They would never start by starting and then just simply adding to it. It works, and it always works for all people all of the time. The key, and when the key, the key here too is when you're talking with your kids, when you're sharing stories, you talk about just getting started. I mean, I, I'm just going to relate it to this. This is not, I mean, I have plenty of really bad stories, and you know I'm open to share them, but I'm going to tell you what happened in 1999. Okay. In 1999, this is a quick story. I decided I was going to go ahead and run Roby Creek. Well, that's fine. I wasn't particularly overweight or anything like that, but boy, was I out of shape. And I mean out of shape, out of shape, bad out of shape. So I literally get up off the couch and decide I'll go ahead and run up the hill. I thought I was going to die. Now, this is not 13.1 miles, mind you. I couldn't run a mile, and I had three and a half months to get ready for this. That was a wake-up call, but, I, I, but, but my point was, you don't start running by deciding, I'm not going to do it because I, I'm going to wait until I can do 13 miles. How do you do it? You run 100 yards. You run a half a mile. Then you walk a while. Catch your breath. And then you run another half a mile, catch your breath, until you can do a whole mile at once. And then you can do two. We all know that's how you do it. You lose weight a pound at a time. You accumulate wealth over time. And you have to start or you can't do it. Take the first step. And we always can make that roll. All right. Hey, more, we got to take a quick break here. More stories of 40 years coming up. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back, and thank you again. Hey, I, I talked about this one a couple weeks ago, but it's such a great, I don't know, it's the epitome for us, okay? 
So I got to tell you a story where this kind of comes from, and then I'll then I'll circle it back to Coffee Shop Bob, okay? And worry worry wart Al, I guess I'm going to call him because I don't certainly want to pick on him. Both are undoubtedly listening, but Coffee Shop Bob knows who he is, and Coffee Shop Bob is happy that we give this example. We can all learn from it, but I got to tell you, there's a, a he's he's gone now. He's been gone for a few years now, but there's this just a mountain of a man. He really was, and um, he was a doctor. He was uh, um, just a great friend and uh, a great client. And I was visiting and playing golf in Palm Springs a number of years ago, and he stopped the cart. And he said, I want to tell you something. This was 2009. I know exactly why and when, because I visited him in 2008. He wasn't a happy camper. He really wasn't. He was kind of angry at me. It's a true story. I couldn't wait to get home. And um, he says, you know, I was kind of angry with you last year. I'm certainly not anymore, and I didn't really, really wasn't angry at you. But he said, I wanted you to understand something. And I'm like looking around for the next tee shot to be, or, or for a group standing on the tee swear, swearing at us. Because I'm telling you, when he says, I got, I got to tell you something, and I got a story to tell you. And this guy is a storyteller. I mean, he was an expert marksman, <laughs> delivered babies and cows. I mean, this guy is just something else. He's just something else. You know, worked for the Board of Education. Just a, just a great guy. And he, he turns around and he says, you know, I want you to understand something. This isn't about you. But I have tried to make all these decisions all my life. I've had the weight of making these decisions. Yeah, and I made a lot of wrong ones. And he's told me a lot of funny stories. He's, it's just funny stories about the, that. And, and, and it really was just when I finally realized that I needed to hand this over to you. You see, it's not about you, he reminds me. <laughs> It's not about you. It's about me getting this burden off my back of worry about making decisions about everything. What am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do about what home I'm going to live in? All of these things and deciding when I should invest, what should I invest in? Real estate, stocks, bonds, at what mix? Well, should I be worried about the end of the world, part four? All of those things. He says, I cannot imagine you cannot imagine what a lift that was to hand that over to you. And I just wanted you to know that. And I went, wow, that is a great story. It is a great story. And he's right. It's not about me. It was about him. It was about him. It wasn't about me or an advisor figuring out the financial future. It wasn't about finding the best mutual fund, picking the best stock having the best returns. It was about, I'm trying to figure out stuff all my life, and I can't, and I need to let go of that, and taking that burden off. And that's what is just huge around here. We think about that. And that's, and that's to us is the highest, when we've reached our highest usefulness for a client, when they just don't worry. They just don't worry. They don't expect that we know the future. That's absolutely true. But they have quit carrying the burden 
of what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What should I do? Maybe I need to watch more news. Maybe I need to plug in more, get more data, dig a little deeper on the internet. What about that digital currency? What about that three blood moons? What about all that? And all that stuff just takes up not just file space, but worry is, wow, worry is terrible. It won't help you live a day longer. That's for sure. So when I think about this and that story and I think about all the people and the impact we have with our clients, with a coffee shop Bob who quits worrying about stuff, who, who would have coffee with his buddies every week and, and then talk about why, you know, this politician was going to kill us and that politician was going to kill us and, and, and what are we going to do about the budget deficit? What are we going to do about inflation or whatever the worry of the day is? And then that shared, I don't want to call it shared ignorance because I, I certainly have done lots of that with my friends where we all sit around and talk about things we don't know that much about, but w with great certainty, we do. I guess it, that it really is a definition of shared ignorance. We all share it. We're all sure of ourselves. And by sharing it with each other, we look like experts. Well, I think about that a lot with clients. And I think about that whether we have the, the, the widow that doesn't have to worry anymore, that quit worrying, gets rid of that worry, that concern. I remember uh, very recently, actually, it's not that long ago when interest rates were zero, right? And I, and I remember, well, she had to take over. She's a widow now, but she had to take over this account from her husband who had done it for all those years, didn't really know what she was doing, was terrified because, you know, he had Alzheimer's and it, it just couldn't do it anymore, right? So she's taking care of him and worrying about this and afraid she's going to blow it all and lose it all. And a friend pulled her aside and said, come talk to Dave. And so she, she, we're having this conversation because she still has to care for her husband. So we're on the phone. And I just got to one point and I said, here's the deal. I'm not even going to give her a name, okay? So I'm going to call her Ann, okay? And here's the deal. You need to let go of this one way or another. It doesn't have to be us. But what you can't do is sit it in the bank earning nothing and just watch the pile go away. That is going to kill you. It'll drive you crazy. You can't do that. You can worry about markets going up and down. That's a fact of life. But what you can't do is put it in an account and lose sleep night after night knowing it's going away and hoping you and your husband die before it does. That's not a plan that you're living in fear. And it was a tremendous conversation. It has taught me so much. And, and it's just really one of those things where you just go, now sometimes we just have to do the uncomfortable because the alternative is the impossible to live with. You can't live with it. It doesn't make it a right or wrong decision. It's just that I can't live with that. You can't live with sitting around and watching your money go to zero. You can't. Nobody can. That's just not a, that's not a plan. That's a surrender. And so as we think about that, whether it's the, 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 the widow that's not having to worry anymore, the, the, the coffee shop talk that just goes away, it's just it's that whole process, whether with an advisor or with yourself, where you just come to this understanding that we, we don't know the future. We can't 
let the future push us around in the sense that I have to try to guess what's going to happen in the future. I don't. I don't have to guess that at all. I don't know what's going to happen with AI, do you? I, I, I don't. I mean, the, the possibilities are unbelievable and unbelievably scary all at once. Do I have to figure it out to invest, to live my life, to move forward? No, I don't because I can't. And I can't worry about it because, you know, the fact of the matter is this. I also know that my own future destiny, my own end of this life, is only a few spins away for me. I don't have to figure out all the rest of it. I just have to try to figure out me, my life, what I want, what I need, what my family needs. I don't have to figure it all out. And, and I think that the more time we spend worrying, the further from the truth it leads us. It just is. We just got to let that go. Get that burden off your back. Even if you're doing it yourself, figure out a way to get it off your back. And if you're doing it yourself and you can't get it off your back, for your own health, you better do that. You, you've got to let this go because you're not going to figure it out. And um, I, 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 when I, after that conversation, I've shared that story so many times because, you know, that, that, that conversation with Doc was, was amazing, enlightening, very well thought of, thought about, thought of man, yes, but thoughtful. And to stop the cart, because I had to have his story, told the story. Maybe that carried the extra impact that I needed. But it made me really realize years ago that the only real impact that we have is to take the burden away, not to figure out how to get a half a percent more on a money market account. All right, we're going to take a break here for Fox News. We'll be right back. Okay, I got, I've got so many fun stories, but I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you just, I have been so blessed in my life to have met people that took a shine to me, whatever it was, whether it was people who helped me early on when I'm 20 years old and trying to scrape out a living, trusted me and recommended their friends to me and crazy things like that. You know, I've been very fortunate. I've gotten to, you know, meet famous people and play golf and at Augusta National. I've gotten to stay there. I've gotten to play in shark shootouts. I've gotten to do so many things that I couldn't even imagine except for this industry. And it led me to some amazing people that said, hey, you know, I like hanging out with that guy. Let's go do some more of that. And that, that is just the kind of thing that is amazing to me. Those are fun stories. But I want to share the, also the stories of, of really not about just the ones that are like, it's really cool. And, yeah, you know, for those of you who are golfers, it is really cool to play Augusta. It really it is all of that. Yeah, it is all of that. It's so amazing. Um, and, yeah, the par three is, is pretty special too. So, anyway, with that, I'll leave it at that. sounds like I'm bragging, and I don't mean to do that. I'm just kind of in this flow of sharing stories and realizing that, a 42-year career is actually pretty long, even though it feels like I just started. And uh, 
and Jennifer was still this kid um, that basically just answered the phone and, you know, took a few notes and processed paper, which is true. That's how she started. That's how we all start, right? That's how you start. But I want to share some of these because I think some of them have lasting impressions and, 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 and through all of those things that you get to do and you build a career and you share stories with people and, 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 and it comes down to, I kind of want to do this one in, in this segment as kind of some quick hits, okay? So we do some things with dividends and, and, and what led me to thinking about all these other stories in the past was there's this fund and that was with the shootout. So it's a, it's a Franklin fund, okay? I just, I can say that much. And it's a fund that we have used literally for 42 years, right? I mean, since the beginning. And that fund is, is just like predominantly for income. It pays a monthly income. And we, uh, we were kind of thinking about this. And it was, two, I believe it was 2008, nine somewhere in there, where it's like, unless the world ends, this is going to do really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if the world ends, I don't care where we put money. You know, build your bunkers, buy your gold. I'm not sure what you're going to use with it, okay? I just don't. I, I, I don't know how to manage around world-ending things. The whole economy is going to collapse. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Build a bunker, fortress, because people are coming for your stuff if you got it. And so I, I, I don't know what to do with that. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying I just don't know what to do with it, so I don't deal in that world. So we got to thinking about it. What happens if we reinvest this monthly dividend when we're down like this? What happens three years later? And since this fund's been around since the 1940s, we had a whole lot of 36-month, month-to-month data. Now, 36-month, well, blah, blah, that's a lot. You know what that's saying? It says every month we roll it forward for three years. And we had them run it when it was down 6%, 7%, 10%, an extremely rare occurrence. I think it only happened like three times when we ran it, right? And the numbers were astounding, so astounding that the wholesaler, the guy that, you know, goes around and tries to convince people to sell this fund, ran the numbers. And, yeah, we're going to – I'll give them to you here in a minute because it's astounding, okay? Um, they're, they're huge. So we've only had six occurrences of down 10% or more from the high, from the high. And beginning at that point, if you were to reinvest it, that dividend for every month, not put more money in. Not put more money. The average rate of return is 17, actually over, 17% per year compounded. This is, that's ridiculous, the average return. The lowest return was over 8% compounded per year. It's unbelievable how that could be. Even, and so, of course, so what we do now is we took this lesson. And now every time it pulls back 6% or more, we have a 100% success rate of having it grow by a minimum of 8% compounded per year and a maximum of 25% compounded per year, which is ridiculous. Don't ever count on that. That's absurd. Who counts on that? You don't ever count on that. It's ridiculous. No, you're never going to get that. That's not you. You don't get that every year. Not on a fund like this. You get that on high-flying tech stocks, not income funds. What a lesson that was. Dollar cost averaging lesson of, of just doing something simple like reinvesting the dividend, not adding more money, just reinvest the dividend every month when it is at a low. 
Now, we just did that because what happened last year was we had a period where, the, where it had actually gone down 6% from its highs. Okay, right? We had a little bit of a bear market. And so we let it reinvest, and then at the beginning of this year, it kind of came back. And then just this year, it took a little dip during the middle of the year. Remember that dip in the middle of the year? I know the last three months were so good, nobody remembers that, but we had a good dip, and it dipped down. So we let it reinvest for two months. It increased the income 4.3% for the rest of everybody's life. It, that's literally an amazing thought. Two dividends increased income 4.3% because they were done at a low point. You get more shares. Each of those shares beginning the next month earns a dividend. It's an amazing thing. Is this going to outperform Google? No. It's another lesson that dollar cost averaging works every single time. It unless it goes to zero, dollar cost averaging always works. I know. It's so basic. Nobody talks about dollar cost averaging. But I have to because that's what I think. Okay. Number two, a cup of coffee a day. $5 a day. Just get started. You hear me say it. Let's think about that. A cup of coffee a day. For 40 years, you don't do anything. It's $5 a day, $150 a month, $1.1 million. Doing nothing. Not adding more, not increasing your cup of coffee as you make more money over the years. No. Cup of coffee a day. $1.1 million. And so when I say, just do it, just, just do it. Just get started. If that number's 50 bucks a month, it's 50 bucks. Start. And then next year, make it 60. And so on. Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Everyone. And you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know much about the market. Just let it ride. I want to share a, a, another quick one. And these are the uh, constant stories, right, of staying in. But this is the big one. 2009, the beginning of 2009. Okay, so this story is so grand to me. I hope I don't get emotional. It is so grand. But the world is melting down, and it is. The market could be up 600 points in the morning, and by the close, it's down 700 in the afternoon. And it did that many days. I'm not joking. It's not one day. It happened a lot. It's totally chaotic. It look, it's totally a broken mechanism. And it is frightening for people. So we're doing everything we can to keep people in. Whether it's the widow that comes in with tears in her eyes and she knows who she is. It was a big moment. Just talked about that with her son today. It, it, those are big moments. But I guarantee you that she knows every time she looks at her statements. It wouldn't look like that if she'd have done what every cell in her body told her to do and that was to panic and sell. She didn't do it. And now has a heck of a nice legacy. Really. Because ever since then, we've had zero interest rates. What, what would that have grown to? Right? It just had to come back with the markets. We all have story after story after story like that. And the beauty of that is that we all can learn from them. You can't overreact. Emotion doesn't help. It really doesn't. Yeah, it helps in love. I mean, it certainly will help steer that star. But that doesn't always work either, now does it, guys? Right? And gals. You know, it, 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 emotion will kill you, though, when it comes to investing. We've all seen the Dalbar studies. I talk about them all the time. Dalbar, whoever puts it out. But the bottom line is, 
when people miss the best days, they miss them all. They miss all the gains. And the best days almost always are right around the worst days. Okay, that story I was going to tell you about. Radio show. It's in the spring of 2009, and the market is insane. And somebody calls, and she is really freaked out. Who isn't? It's nothing, nothing about her. Everyone is. Just expressing what everybody else says. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Every time I open it up, I am so open up my statements. I'm so upset. So upset. And I just pop off and I go, I pop off. I mean, I just, the answer that pops in my head is a better way of saying it. I didn't pop off. I wasn't angry. I just said, quit looking. Why don't you quit looking? If it makes you feel bad, there's no upside. Let's just quit looking. So she hangs up. A year later, I get a call. And she says, this lady says, uh, you know, I, you won't remember this, but um, a year ago I called in and I was totally upset about the market and my statements. You told me not to look. I looked. I can't believe how much money I have. If you can't do it, put it down. Just put it away. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're putting your head in the sand. It means you already know what's on that paper. You may not know the specifics, but you already know it's bad. So don't open it. Don't look at your accounts every day. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Don't watch the news every day. It's not healthy. It's just not healthy for us to have a constant stream of bad news is bad for us. And you know what it is. And it carries you through periods sometimes like that, that you can just go, I'm just not going to look. We had a saying around here, we'd say, you know, not here, not now, not at these prices. I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm not looking. We're not selling. We're done. There's no point in staring at the market every day and just wondering what I ought to do. What you ought to do is just hang in there and wait for the chaos to stop, and it did. Market ripped higher. It was up 50% in 90 days. Unbelievable gains. This works. We just sometimes have to let it go and shut down the emotions. All right, final break upcoming. We'll be right back for some closing thoughts. Hello, welcome back, and uh, thank you for sharing these stories with me. I appreciate it. It's fun for me and I mean, because they create amazing memories. You can't imagine. I, I think you can. Um, all the people, thoughts, emotions running through my head because it brings you back to those, those, all those times, if you will, right? And, 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 and one of the things that, that we're, you know, that are, that's really fun now, you know, I, I think of that as, you know, when people are coming in and talking about things, it's, it's it, oftentimes it's not, it might be finance kind of, sort of, but is doing an estate plan really about finances? No, it's about your wishes. Is talking about figuring out how to get that house, finances, sort of, but it's also peace of mind. Can we do this? You know, listening and figuring out what people's objectives are. That's that's the fun part. You know, it, it, as we as we think about, and I'm winding this down. Obviously, I'm certain certainly getting older, and I think about this and sharing these stories with people. But I also think about all the stories that people had for me. 
that I, I didn't have those stories when you start. I didn't understand compound interest any better than a lot of people do. And believe it or not, we're human beings just like everybody else is out there. I know. Hard to imagine. We aren't superheroes that um, don't react to market meltdowns in 2008 and 2009 when it was so chaotic that it was flat frightening for everybody. Didn't know it was going to happen. You know, it, it, it may seem that way when you're just plowing forward and doing what you need to do. But that's true of everything, whether it's military, it's anything else. You just do what you need to do. You didn't set out to be like robot man that says, nope, you just have to buy more when prices are down. That's how I feel. And then that you can carry yourself through a day like that. We're, we're all the same. And, and be aware, that's also true out there of advisors. I saw so many advisors. I remember going to a conference and literally listening to somebody, another advisor, right? We played golf that day. Two couples played golf, and we sat down and afterwards, and he said, you know, we took everything out of the market. This was January. No, for, I'm sorry, right around, yeah, it was, no, it was February of 2009 less than two months from the bottom he'd sold out and I thought man that is a big potentially business ending decision I didn't say anything it's his call it's his life but I thought wow now this was this was a considered to be quotes a top performer <laughs> conference this wasn't a rookie dude we all have emotions we all get there we all get there these can be, some of these can be really hard times for all of us. All I know is that what you know. You just can't react. You just do what you have to do. You don't react in fear. You don't react in emotion. That's not helpful. And that leads me to this final thought. When you're thinking this through, don't seek too much information. You know, if you're piloting a plane that's going down, the last thing you need to do is pull out the manual and start digging for information. You can't, you don't have time for that. You have to react and be strong. And, and, and trying to find more and more and more information will not lead you closer to the truth. It leads you further and leads you into confusion. Try to relax. The future is not ours to know. It never has been. I don't think it will be ever at all. Have a great day and thanks for spending time with us.